Welcome everyone to the Corliss Barfield Trial Group Podcast. Today is a very special podcast to me, having an opportunity to discuss a political campaign with a colleague of mine. It's my pleasure today to introduce to you State Representative from Missouri, Barbara Ann Washington. Barbara and I have known each other for, wow, uh, more than 25 years. We started law school together back in 1992, graduated in 1995, and I'm catching back up with Barbara to find out what her plan is for District 9 in Missouri as its state senator. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much. And thank God for Facebook that we could reconnect. Um, has, it's been a long time that we've known each other, uh, almost 30 years. Wow. Um, just for the listeners, uh, my name is Barbara Ann Washington. I'm currently the state representative for District 23 in Missouri and am really working hard to become the next state senator for District 9 in Kansas City, Jackson County area here in Missouri. Fantastic. You know, one of the things, Barbara, that I don't know that a lot of people would know is, uh, it, can you describe for me exactly where District 9 in Missouri, like what the boundaries are? Oh, of course. So it's pretty broad and I'll just give like uh, general um, boundaries. So in parts of uh, the district, it's from the Missouri River um, on the north uh, to 435 on the south, which goes south of 95th Street a little bit. And then on the west side, it's Troost Avenue, which is somewhat, unfortunately, a dividing line for our community here in Kansas City. And then all the way to the east part of um, Kansas City, into Raytown, the southern half of Raytown, Missouri, a small part of Lee Summit slash Unity Village, and a small part of Independence, Missouri. Um, this uh, district is a predominantly minority district um, with about 58% African-American, I think another 10% Hispanic, um, and about another 2 to 4% Asian. Um, and we are a predominantly Democrat district, so we all think alike here in District 9. You know, there's it's it's so positive to find such a, a strong blue community, you know what I mean, between blue and red community. But, you know, what kind of challenges has that created for you in the past coming from a predominantly minority district that's predominantly Democrat, but at the same time dealing with Republican legislators from other parts of the state of Missouri that might be, say, from the southern part where you're going to find more Republican red districts? So in Jefferson City, I've been there for three years, um, and it is a predominantly Republican legislature. And that means out of 163 of us, I think we have 48 Democrats in the House, and there are eight uh, Democratic senators right now because two seats are open out of a total of 34 senators. So some of the primary differences are definitely the conservatism that exists in Southwest Missouri, Primarily, um, anybody who watches any national news will see that that is one of the strongest pro-Trump areas in America, not just the state of Missouri. So it is a challenge to educate my colleagues on the differences that we have coming from urban and suburban communities, such as District 9, versus their more rural areas in the rest of the state. It's um, the way I've done it and tried to be successful is to first try to find what are our similarities and where can we get along and then let's expand out and work for our differences so that we can see that there are a lot of places that we do get along and that we can work on some of the same issues because we represent some of the same kind of people. 
understand. I understand. All right. Well, let's jump right in. I'd, I'd really like to hear about your campaign. Uh, right now, we're in the primary. That's right. And you've got a you've got an opponent that is is running alongside you to get the Democratic nomination. But let's talk specifically about what some of your ideas are for District Nine in Missouri. Um, my biggest focus is to pick up where I have been for the last three years, and that is to continue to be a strong voice for District 9 in Jackson County um, and Kansas City, Raytown, Independence, particularly, and Lee Summit. Um, so with as much press coverage right now that we're doing with national politics, a lot of people forget that the bigger decisions are coming from your state houses. So more uh, in Jefferson City, we are affecting more of what happens here in Kansas City and Jackson County than what happens in Washington, D.C. So I'm really focused on how we can improve our education system because we have a lot of inequities, especially with the Kansas City School District and the Hickman Mill School District. And we've recently found out in the last couple of years that people of color are also um, inequitably affected in the Lee Summit School District. Um, how to get more people insured, getting um, the health care that they need, that will cost all of us as taxpayers less money and how to make sure to provide more jobs and training in our district. Let, let's take a second and back up on the education issue. You know, for a lot of people, uh, you know, they talk about education from always or kind of solely from the perspective of reducing expenses associated with going to college, for example. But isn't the education question a little bit bigger for the people in your district? It is. For people in my district right now, just getting a high school diploma is a big deal. But even going back further than that, pre-K is a major component because we don't have, my district has some of the poorest zip codes in the state. And so being able to be a working parent um, and afford daycare when we have so many people that definitely make right at minimum wage, which um, is not a, a livable amount of money. So we need funding and attention and programs that start as early as three years old for our pre-K programming. Um, and then we need better K through 12. And then in our district, we need just to open the minds and educate people in the district that there are uh, post high school programs that may not necessarily be the expensive four year schools, um, but we have technical schools and community colleges that people just don't know about that we need to get the word out more, the programs that we have that, you know, for instance, we have an A-plus program. So if the kids in high school uh, fulfill the A-plus requirements and get an A-plus high school diploma, then the state will pay their tuition um, for a community college. So a lot of it is getting the education, is educating those who need to know about postgraduate programs, but also making sure that our community is ready by starting earlier in pre-K. Now, you uh, obviously you and I met in 1992 when we both started law school at University of Missouri, Kansas City, but you actually went on and got more graduate studies as well, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, so after, um, so I started with you in 92 and I'll be transparent. Everyone who knew me in law school knew I thought I was going to be a football um, general manager for the NFL. (laughs) It's not too late. Yeah, so (laughs) um, I, uh, the summer that um, we should have graduated, or you all did graduate, I dropped the class that spring so that I can go to New York and work for the National Football League. Um, So I ended up graduating um, in 96, but afterwards and practicing for a while, I went back and got my master's of business administration 
um, with an emphasis in healthcare to have a better understanding of how healthcare um, and public health specifically plays a part in our total community. All right, very good. Now, kind of transitioning to the issue of healthcare, uh, you know, there is most definitely an issue uh, in America with getting more and more people insured, either under the ACA or under a private plan. And obviously, I think people of color are being affected, especially by that, because they don't have access necessarily in the community to the kind of health care you'd be able to get if you were uh, elsewhere. You know, if you're in one of the wealthier parts of St. Louis or a lot of other places in the state of Missouri. And so uh, I know the issue of health care has been something that you have worked on as a representative. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'm going to kind of talk about it in a couple of different arenas. And the first is on our ballot on April, uh, August the 4th, which I pray everyone comes out and votes for me, um, we will be voting to expand Medicaid. Several states have expanded that. When you do, you do receive some federal funding. So we don't want to lie and act like it's not going to cost the state a little bit of money, but it won't cost as much as others are saying. Peripherally, it will cost us less money because people in my community if they're injured or hurt, they either ignore it and they end up worse or they go on to the emergency room, which ultimately costs all of us as taxpayers additional funding. So I support the expansion of Medicaid right now, which will benefit individuals to uh, will give us about 220,000 more people in the state of Missouri uh, the ability to have health care. Um, if we haven't learned anything from COVID-19, it's definitely that the federal government has left us to fend for ourselves as for our healthcare problems as a community. And we're in this together and we should be in this together. So if we can expand Medicaid and provide more services to people who need healthcare insurance, as well as bring more funding um, so that we can have full virus testing, then we can get back to creating good jobs and increasing our community um, at, in a total um, in, in a total way. Also, we have a big issue with minority mental health, and that is for all people of color. There is such a stigma in communities of color about seeking any type of psychiatric treatment, whether that's through a therapist, a social worker, a psychologist, or a psychiatrist. And so for the last six years, I've produced a program, uh, an awareness program called Brunch with BB Sisters, that is named after an author by the name of B.B. Moore Campbell, who had a daughter. Miss um, Campbell has since passed on and is deceased, but her daughter is an actress who suffers from bipolarism and schizophrenia. And she wrote a very passionate novel based on her daughter and was really responsible for the month of July being named by Congress and the National Alliance of Mental Illness Minority Mental Health Month. Um, so it was fitting for me that a bill that I've sponsored for the three years that I have been in in um, the legislature um, declaring July as Minority Mental Health Month was included in House Bill 1682, um, which I co-sponsored, and the governor signed that bill into law uh, just three weeks ago tomorrow. So we've already seen the value of the increase in awareness just from the publicity that, that it has uh, received. And even with COVID yesterday, we were at, we had the max capacity at the luncheon because we wanted to make sure we were having social distancing. So we also showed it on Facebook Live because people under, they know these issues. They are um, 
very concerned with how the lack of mental health treatment and resources affects their families and affects our community. And so we're tuning in, we're realizing, and we're doing our best to break down the stigma so that we can bring back attention, resources, and funding to help our total community. You know, as you address this important issue with people of color, it also makes me wonder if there are issues that might be specifically addressing female or women's healthcare issues moving forward. How is that something that will come into play in your campaign? Well, for me, I am an African-American woman and Missouri has one of the highest rates of maternal mortality with respect of African-American women. And so that means that we have way too many black women dying in childbirth in Missouri. We have tried in the legislature to get a task force approved just to study the issue to see what can be done um, and how can we do better. Um, what is the what is the primary problem is the lack of funding, the lack of health care, and the lack of resources um, and treatment uh, arenas for people that are poor, um, especially African American women. So that's a big issue for women. Another issue is, as most people may or may not know, Missouri was one of those 10 states um, in the last few years that passed one of the most restrictive abortion laws in the United States of America, which we are not, you cannot have an abortion after eight weeks, um, unless even in the case of incest and rape. That is something that is unfathomable unfathomable to me um and it's something that we will that as a woman i've continued to work for because we want to make sure that we have safe affordable reproductive services and protect a woman's right to choose which was given to her by roe v wade so i'm really excited that i have been um, endorsed by NARAL, which is the national abortion and reproductive rights action league um, because I have always spoke up and been a proponent for uh, a woman's right to choose. And I will continue to do that um, in the Senate. Thank you. Uh, and I appreciate that. I have so many family members that live in your community that I know see that as an issue that's under threat, you know, especially on the national level. And as you pointed out, especially in a state like Missouri, that has some very strong opponents to a woman's right to choose. Let's move a little bit now to the last issue we're going to talk about, which is criminal justice reform. Uh, what are some of your instincts on how to promote a positive and constructive relationship between the, the constituents in Dis District 9 with local law enforcement? Well, for us, the first thing we need to do, especially in the Kansas City uh, specifically, is examine how our police chief is selected. Right now, the mayor is one vote amongst five on a board of police commissioners appointed by the governor. So that means that we have people that are not in the Kansas City community who have more input into how our board of police commissioners is going to be selected, hence how our law enforcement is going to be managed. So I think we need to make a change and create local control um, because at this moment, our community has no influence over our police chief uh, at all. Um, I am encouraged by the voices of people like me at the local, at the state level, as well as the 
an enormous amount of protesters and activists that have arisen as a result of the George Floyd um, killing in Minnesota. Um, these people now uh, are bringing to light issues uh, such as decriminalizing many low-level offenses like small amounts of marijuana. Here in Kansas City, um, that will no longer be a, a crime. And in fact, in I was able to file a bill that would expunge, automatically expunge anyone who has a marijuana possession over the last 20 years. So we, we have to stop sending people to jail um, and that will give us a better relationship with police just in and that uh, something that small. If we're not sending people to jail just for a small bag of weed, um, they're not burdening their criminal records, stopping them from going to college um, and stopping them from even being able to live. Um, for instance, if my brother had have ever gotten stopped with marijuana, kind of going a little bit back to the educational um, opportunities we need to do, then he would never have been able to go to Voltec um, and become a pipe fitter. Um, he wouldn't be able to have worked at General Motors and had a very successful career um, because of workforce, what is today called workforce development, what is what we used to call uh, vocational trades. So if, if someone who's just smoking weed to get a re relaxation, they shouldn't be burdened by not being able to move forward with their lives, with their lives. And then one of the areas that is passionate for me with how we can promote positive and construction relationships is community policing. If we have community policing, things like 17-year-old boys um, being charged as adults in Missouri would probably not happen as much because those officers, when they are running across young people, have a strong relationship in their community and they know who young people are, um, which is why in Missouri in 2018, we passed a law saying that 18 and 18, and to go back to only charging young people as adults once they're 18 years old. I believe that community policing with having officers that are trolling their, patrolling the communities where they serve, getting to know the neighborhood associations, the neighbors, the businesses, and the youth will help create a positive and constructive relationship between the District 9 residents and the police officers that right now, frankly, Black people are afraid of. Representative Washington, I, I just am so happy to have the opportunity to catch up with you after all these years, and I appreciate the synergy that you've described between things like criminal justice reform and how that ties in with business development and economic development in District 9. I'm very excited for you. I feel the momentum. Anybody who goes online, I think they'll feel that too. They'll see it. And I really encourage folks to come out to vote in uh, when, when, tell me again, when is the election? So we're voting on the primary in nine days on August the 4th. The polls are open from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. Here in Missouri, we do have absentee balloting um, if you requested that ballot by July 22nd. And we also have absent uh, mail-in balloting, which uh, we will, they will mail a ballot to you as long as you requested it by the July 22nd. I apologize. And then we have absentee balloting if you're not available, if you're not able to vote in person on the 4th, you can go down to any to the election board in Kansas City. It's the Kansas City Election Board and Union Station in Jackson County. It is the Election Board in Independence and vote early. Um, I want to really, really thank you so much for uh, reaching out. 
um, and giving me this opportunity to share who I am and why I'm the best candidate for Senate 9, why I will continue to be a strong voice for those of us in Jackson County, because I'm the most experienced, the most effective, and the most engaged in this primary. And hopefully we'll be able to come back and wrap up some more issues after the primary and getting ready for the general election in November. Ladies and gentlemen, Barbara Ann Washington, hopefully your next state senator for District 9 in Missouri. Barbara, you be safe out there. You too. Thank you so much.